Hey, it's good to be with you tonight. Um, tonight is the last class uh, on the Hall of Faith. Uh, tonight we try to put a bow on this class. And before we even jump into that, I want to say thank you, one, Titus, for singing Living by Faith. I asked him to do that because it fits the chapter we've studied. I want to thank uh, Charlie and Hal for all the stuff they've done in the back. Uh, Hal made this template for me to use for these slides of this quarter. and just made it very easy for me. So they do a bunch of stuff you guys probably would never know about. So thank you, Hal. Charlie's been awesome just getting everything set up all quarter. So thank you, men. I know they don't want to thank you, but they get one anyway. And uh, I hope that this class has been good for you as we've studied all these individuals who exemplify what it means to live by faith, to help us understand what it means to have faith. And I pray it's benefited you in some way. There's 15 individuals listed in this chapter specifically. We've studied 10 of them. So we skipped five. You picked four you didn't want to study. I picked one, and there there you go. And we'll put a bow on it tonight and try to wrap it up. And what I'd like to do is just review a few big main points and then maybe talk about uh, one more new thing uh, tonight together. So we've studied ten individuals, Abel, Enoch, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, and David. Uh, the five were Abraham, Noah, Moses, Samuel, and Jephthah. Those are the ones we didn't study. Uh, these people and their stories are more than simply stories. They are examples for us to follow. In Hebrews chapter 12, he says, these people are testifying to you, that you are now running the race they ran. And in, in ways they are watching you and they are cheering you on, hoping that you would run the race well as well. And if we've learned anything about faith, I also hope you've realized this. They are flawed people. Have you caught that this quarter? These people had problems, they had sins, they had struggles, they had weird life situations, just really weird stuff. Their families were dysfunctional, they came from weird circumstances, you name it, and they experienced it. And I hope you've understood that because the point with this whole class, besides helping us understand faith, is for us to realize you can be in the hall of faith too. Because that was the Hebrew writer's point. They lived by faith in all of their weird situations, you can live by faith too. You can put your trust in Jesus and live in such a way where you can be mentioned among these people, where you can be with these people. And then you can cheer on those who follow you and I and cheer and urge them on to live by faith. And so you and me, as flawed as we are, we can still be people of faith. We can live by faith and we can trust in God. And I hope you've seen that. And I hope your faith has grown or at least you've understood faith a little more through this study There's a few big ideas we've seen in this chapter I wanted to hit real quick that you've heard before, but just very quickly talk about. Uh, There's been many applications from all of these people, but here are a few that I think we see most uh, time and time again. And if you only remember these, I think it would benefit you. Number one was faith does something. We've talked about that. Abel offered. Enoch walked. Noah built. Abraham went. Abraham sacrificed. Sarah, she received Isaac blessed, Jacob blessed, Joseph made mention, Rahab, she hid. All of these people who are listed had a verb next to them. They did something. Faith is more than a mental belief, according to the Hebrew writer. Um, It's more than a worldview. It's, It's more than what we think. It is more than agreement. Faith acts. Faith moves. Uh, Faith Faith is constantly moving. Uh, What we do shows our faith as much or more than what we think. That's what this chapter has taught us. You know, we can talk about it all all the time we want. 
And we can think about things the way we want. But if we're not doing anything with it, there's something missing. Faith does something. Do you remember Lawn Chair Larry? We looked at his example, right? The guy who put 43 weather balloons on his lawn chair and he went up, uh, was it 16,000 feet in the air? And his quote was, a man can't sit in his backyard all day. A man has to do something. That's faith. Faith has to do something. It can't just sit still. If it sits still, it's, it's not faith. And so one big picture we've seen from this chapter time and time again is it does something. That's what faith is. It, it moves. It's active. Another big idea that I think we've seen is faith is as effective as the person it's put in. You and I have all the options in the world to for where our faith goes. Our faith can go in ourselves. It can go in people. It can go in some system. It can go in a government or a president or a leader. It can go in some false god or it can go in the god of the universe. But our faith is only as effective as who it's put in. There were some incredible accomplishments done through these people we've studied this quarter. You know, giants were slayed or defeated. Nations were destroyed or uh, run over. Nations were created, uh, children in very, very old age, uh, people saved from death. There were some incredible demonstrations of faith. And none of that was done because of these people, uh, the people we studied. None of it was done because of their ability. It was all because of the God in whom they put their faith. The power was his. That's one of the key components of this chapter. It wasn't about their faith per se. It was about their faith, but it was about who they put their faith in to. Um, faith was required but it was God who supplied the power. Uh, we can put our faith in many different places, but unless we put it in Jesus, it will never be able to accomplish what their faith accomplished. It's not even about the size of our faith, but it's about who it's in. Do you remember when Jesus was talking to his disciples after they couldn't heal a boy with a demon? And he told them, if you had the faith the size of a mustard seed, you could move what? You can move mountains. It wasn't about the size it was about that they had faith in him, that they could do incredible things. That's, that's what we've seen in Hebrews 11, that when you put faith in God, it, it does extraordinary things. And then the, maybe the last big review, this is the fastest review of all time, um, maybe. Fast announcements, fast review, it goes together. Uh, another big one is that faith trusts God's promises even if you don't see them yet. If you remember Hebrews 11 and verse 1, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction or maybe the evidence of things not seen, or the substance of things not seen. Um, faith is the substance of these things not seen. Every, every person on this list had received promises in some way, and they believed in those promises of God and acted upon them even though they didn't receive them in their lifetime. You know, Abraham, your descendants will be as... Sand on the seashore as stars in the sky. Did he receive that in his lifetime? No. Did Isaac? Did Jacob? You go down the list. Not all of the promises they received. They received some. But there's many future promises that we now see that they didn't even recognize. Faith trusts God's promises even uh, when you don't see them yet. Uh, verse 13 of Hebrews 11. All these died in faith without receiving the promises. They, they saw them and welcomed them from a distance, um, but they did not receive them then. See, we stand on the other side of, G, of Jesus for them. We have his word. We know his will. We see him as the, um, the culmination of all of God's promises, that he is the answer to everything. They didn't know that. 
but it was coming. And they acted as though it had already been there. For us, we still are waiting on some promises, but he calls you and I to act as though we already know those are coming, even if we don't see that yet, even if we don't see a resurrection, even if we don't see an earth that's made perfectly right, even if we don't see sin uh, completely destroyed yet. We live as though we know he's coming back and all of that's going to happen. And so all of these individuals acted as though God's promises were there or coming, even if they didn't see them yet. Uh, even if you're waiting on it to be fulfilled, you act as though they are. All of these individuals had faith in common, and as we wrap up this series, I want to look at one quality they shared that I think really puts them in the hall of faith. Um, and it's, it's endurance. We haven't really talked too much about endurance this quarter, but it's a theme in this book of Hebrews, and it's a theme here in this chapter. And I want you to look at a few places with me uh, in, in, this, in this book, because it's a theme in this letter. And it's something that you and I have to have if we're going to live by faith. We have to have endurance. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Let's back up a little bit. And verse 32. Before the Hebrew writer got into this chapter about all these people we've studied, here is how he segued or here's how he set it up. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 32. He said, Remember, but remember the former days when after being enlightened you endured. I might highlight that. You endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming shares with those who were so treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance. might highlight that. So that when you have done the will of God, you may what receive what, you may receive what was promised. Uh, if you just pause for a second, he's talking to a group of people who are suffering and have suffered. And he says, remember, remember these days that have happened, or maybe are happening, but you've had, you've had a lot of conflict. Um, prison, um, people taking your property. And remember how you, you dealt with this joyfully. Um, remember, remember all of this. He says, you've suffered. Um, these Christians that he's writing to, they, they've had problems. They su- suffered in a variety of ways. They faced persecution. So he says, hey, I know you've suffered and are suffering. Don't throw away your confidence. Don't throw away your faith in what God has promised. Trust, even in the midst of your suffering, and you have need of endurance. We're going to see this uh, throughout this letter. In this letter, faith and endurance are linked in a way. There's a lot of synonyms for faith or for endurance in this book. Hold on, hold fast, like don't hold fast to your confession without wavering. Hold on, he says, time and time again in this letter, because they're going to deal with suffering in this life. And he says, in order to live by faith, you need endurance. Um, and that's his message time and time again. Look at in this chapter of Hebrews 11. Verse 32 through 34. If you look at verse 32, we've read this verse like seven weeks in a row, it seems like. Notice what he starts here, and we'll keep reading after verse 34. He says, What more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel, and the prophets who by faith they conquer kingdoms. 
performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Look at what all these people did by faith. Notice what he keeps saying, though. Women received back their dead by resurrection. And, and notice all these. Others were tortured, not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others experienced mockings, scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. First of all, can you imagine that? They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy. They're suffering, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. They're suffering. And he says the world wasn't worthy of these people who live by faith, who suffered in this way. And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Because God had provided something better for us, so that from apart from us, they would not be made perfect. The Hebrew writer talks about a us and a they. They, these people who suffered, they, they did not know the promises. They had not seen them fulfilled yet. And then you have us who have now seen Jesus. We understand these promises and how he fulfills them. And he says they were waiting on those to be fulfilled, yet they live by faith. You and I know we have a better high priest. We have a better covenant. We have a better uh, king. We have all of these things. And he says we know we have better. We should be enduring as well. We need endurance and we should be living by faith as well. God is calling them to endure. They suffered, yet they kept their faith. They held on to God. They didn't let go of his hand. They kept walking with him. They kept growing. They kept his promises and he kept theirs or his to them. So the writer says, hey, suffer and suffer as a Christian. I don't mean he's saying, hey, just suffer, grit your teeth and bear it, but suffer as a Christian. Live holy, live righteously, keep pursuing God while you suffer in the midst of it. I look out at you guys, and you know I've only been here a year, so I don't know your families, I don't know your history, but I would imagine this, as you look across this room, and I know you're not because you're looking at the beautiful back of the head in front of you, but as you look at these people, and you know their family, and you know their history, and you know their life, you know a lot of the ways your brothers and sisters here have suffered, don't you? Like you know some of the things they've gone through personally. You know some of the family situations they've dealt with. You know some of the health problems they've dealt with. You know some of the things they've had to overcome to live by faith. You know some of the temptations they have. I, you know, I know some of those from, from this year, but I, you might know far more uh, than I do. And I, I look out at all of you and I think about this and I know you've suffered. We probably all have a laundry list of things we could share of how we've suffered. Um, I know you have broken hearts, you have things that have caused you real pain. Our suffering is different from theirs, but it's suffering nonetheless. Theirs was persecution, ours isn't. But God's telling you and I and all our stories and everything we suffer from, if you're in the middle of that suffering, endure. If you're not in the middle of that suffering, enjoy the tiny reprieve you get. But endure. Um, God wants us to endure, not just simply get through it, but endure knowing He loves you, He loves me, to endure knowing that while I endure, I'm going to live in a way that glorifies Him. That's His message to these Christians time and time and again, is endure. Endure as a Christian. 
some of the greatest impact we will ever have on other people is how we live during our suffering. When you think about people's faith who have made an impact on you, I would imagine there's someone on that list who's had faith while they've suffered. Um, I, I don't mean to like pick on anybody or, or embarrass anyone. I, I'll tell you, like the last, last quarter, there's been multiple times where I kind of stand out there at the door and I try to greet people and open the door awkwardly. And uh, Randall walks in. I'm like, how are you doing, man? And I'm like, is that a dumb question to ask? You ever feel that way about people when you know they're going through some stuff? Like, what? Is that a, should I have just kept my mouth shut? And you know what he says sometimes? I don't know exactly his verbiage, but he'll say things like, I'm blessed. Or he'll tell me how God, good God is to him. Or he'll say things like, hey, God's going to take care of it. And it's like, that's impactful. Is that not impactful to you? When you see people hurting or dealing with things, and yet they still trust and there's a lot of people that are like this, and he's not the only one. And I know more of you as well, and, and you know people and their lives and how they've done this, but it's impactful. It's, it testifies to our faith to people, and it impacts us in a great way. And he's saying, hey, live that way. Endure in that way to where you glorify God, to where you make an impact on other people. And so as you walk this earth and face suffering, don't let go of your faith. Live as a Christian in your suffering. Impact people and he says time and time again, you need endurance. You find that word over and over again. Tonight what I want to do in the time we have remaining is talk about if we're going to endure, here are some tips that we might need to know when it comes to endurance. So here's number one. Be careful of asking why. Don't you um, love it when your children ask that over and over again? I, I imagine that five-year-old John Arvin was really annoying on road trips. You know, those long car rides, um, all of that. Why, why, why? Isn't that the number one question we ask when things happen to us? That's the first thing, why? Um, Is it wrong to ask that question? No, it's not wrong to ask God why, not at all. Um, that's, That's a common question we have for a reason. You know, Job asked that question. Over and over again. Did God ever get mad at Job? No. God never got mad at him. God never struck him down for asking why. But did God answer that question? No. You know, when we ask why, do we ever get an answer? Do we ever get an answer when we ask why for why we suffer in this life? Really, we don't. Um, we try to figure it out. Sometimes, we, do you ever do this thing where you try to apply your own why on stuff that happens in your life? Like maybe you look back on like, well, this happened because of this. We can put our own reasoning on it, but here's the truth. We really never know why for the most part. Now, we know we live in a fallen world. Like We know sin has corrupted this earth. Uh, we know we sin. We know there's a lot of reasons like that. We know Satan is out and working and causing suffering himself. But we never know all the whys for all the specific things that happens in our life. Um, it's not a problem to ask why. But what happens if we get stuck on finding out why for all the suffering in our life? What happens? What do you say? Well, you waste a lot of time. I mean, we're going to suffer. I mean, if you're alive, you're going to suffer at some point. Some suffer more than others. You are right, though, right? It's like, well, we know we're going to suffer. What did Jesus tell his disciples? Hey, in this world, you will have 
trouble. But I have overcome it. But you will have trouble. But yet, and we know that, I think, like logically speaking, in our minds we know that, but yet every time suffering happens, we go, why? But what happens if we get stuck on that question? What do you think happens? We become immobile. What do you mean by that? We, we don't act. We don't do anything. We're just we're stuck. We're stuck. We're just in a little loop. Yeah, we get on a little loop. What what else do you think can happen? Depressed. Depressed? What do you say? Yeah. Yeah. I think you can turn bitter, can't you? Get angry. You're like, why did this happen in my marriage? Why did this happen in my family? Why did this happen to this person I love? Uh, why did this situation occur? And you get stuck on the why, and you get stuck there, and what happens is you're just suffering, and you're, you're, you get angry, and you get bitter. And what happens when you get angry and bitter? What happens to your faith? You quit. I mean, do you know any people who have had situations in their life, who've grown angry and bitter, and they've taken that suffering and they've pushed that and projected that onto God to where I, I'm done. That can happen to any one of us if we get stuck on that question. It's not, it's not wrong, but why can destroy our faith? It can destroy our faith. Asking why can be one of the worst things we do if we get stuck on it. And so we need to be a little like Job and move on from why and choose to trust God and move forward. You know, God would tell him, do you know the thoughts of every single person on the earth? You know, do you make the wind, the thunder, the lightning? And, and Job just said, you know what? I got to move on from why and I got to trust. And that's, that's for you and I too. So be careful of asking why. Because if you get stuck there, you'll grow bitter and angry and all of this and, and you will stop enduring. So that's, that's one. Any thoughts or comments there before we go to the next tip? Going once, going twice. Sold to the, okay, uh, next. Sold. Uh, next one is this. Look to Jesus. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. Okay, this is after this section we've been reading. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, okay, this is the therefore. Everything we've studied this quarter. By faith they did this, by faith they did that. They had not received the promises, but you get through all of this stuff. They've suffered. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Real quick, who are the witnesses surrounding them? All the people of faith we've been studying. Okay, These people who've suffered and done all this and endured. Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. By the way, what does a witness do? Like in a court of, or in a trial, what does a witness do? They testify. These people are testifying to what it means to live by faith and endure. They're speaking to you and I just like they were speaking to these people. In the same way that you have Christians in your life who've passed on who speak to you in a way. Their life testifies to you about faith. He says, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also, as they did, lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance. The race that is set before us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. These people we've studied, they testify of how to live by faith. And what their testimony says is endure. Endure, endure, endure. Don't quit walking. Don't keep up. Keep your head up. Keep, keep your feet moving. Go. 
they are encouraging you and I to run the race that they have run. Um, any of you ever go to track meets or been to a track meet for a kid? You know, the gun goes off, and what does the crowd do, like, immediately? Start cheering. And uh, unless it's, like, one of those marathons, no one, you know, I'm not cheering for that. i got a long time to cheer. But they start running, and what happens about the time they get that back 100 meters? Like, the crowd kind of stands. I don't know if you've seen that. Like, they start standing, and, it like, the parents go nuts. I don't know if you're one of those parents that, like, you're the loudest person in the building when your kid's playing ball. But they start getting loud and loud. It's like here, hey, they're cheering you on. These people, they're cheering you on. They've stood on their feet. They're watching you run this race. They are cheering, hoping that you'll keep running. But he says, as you're running, who do you look to? Do you look to those people we've studied? No. They're encouraging, but that's not who you look to. He says, you fix your eyes on Jesus. The one who is the originator of your faith and the one who perfects your faith. He says, you endure. And you look to his example because... He endured. He had to have endurance. And you and I know what he endured. He was ashamed. He, he did deal with trial and just a brutal time with the cross that has saved you and I, that has brought us salvation, that has brought us forgiveness and mercy. He says, you look to his example of suffering and suffering righteously, that you follow his lead there. Um, I, I don't know if you're a runner, uh, I'm, I don't enjoy it very much. I like to have like a goal. I, if it's a sport, I'll do it. But if it's just, let's just go run to run, I kind of struggle with that. Um, but when you run, instead of thinking how bad this is or how it's hurting or going to hurt, I think we you typically try to focus on the destination or the arrival point, don't we? Like I think about the finish line. Like if I'm on an actual track and I'm on lap one, I'm just counting laps and thinking about crossing that line instead of thinking about, how big the stitch is in my rib because I haven't done this enough. Or you know, you know what a stitch is? Do you guys know what a stitch is? Okay, just making sure. Some of you are looking at me funny. Had to ask. But you're focused on where you're headed, and you're focused on who you're headed towards and where you're ending. And that's what he's saying here. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Remember why you're running in the first place. Remember what he's done for you. Follow that example. And so he says, fix your eyes on him. Don't lose focus. Uh, that, that's tip number two. Don't, don't just stare at your surroundings. Don't get lost. F- keep your focus on him and just running into his arms. So that's tip number two. Um, as we keep going. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Back up the street. No. He was, he was, no, he was getting my attention for you. He's a nice guy. No, just before you go on, kind of put those two together. You asked about why before and, uh, one of the reasons not to ask why is it's presumptuous. Because how do you know that you will even understand why if God is going to explain it to you? You might not even have the capacity to understand the why. Because it's yeah. beyond you. You know what I'm saying? And the idea of endurance is, well, enduring, I can do enduring. You know, he gives us endurance. He points us to endurance. Because that's what we can do. We, we can endure, we can have faith, we can keep our eye on the Lord, on the finish line. These are all things that are possible within our faith, within our grasp. Knowing the why, yeah, maybe, maybe we wouldn't even know, you. we wouldn't understand even if he explained it to us. That's a good thought. Yeah. How would we know if we could even comprehend his reasoning? It's so far above. What is it like our ways and our thoughts are not as high as his, uh, Isaiah would say? Um, yeah, how could we even comprehend it? But we can have endurance. We might not be able to understand why, but we can endure. 
And he says, you need to fix your eyes on him. I think, I think all of us are looking, we look for a reason to get through what we're going through, don't we? Like you on a Thursday afternoon at 3 p.m. in the office. I'm just waiting for that bell to ring. Why do you get through it? Well, I got a paycheck. You know, there's a reason for it. There's things like that. Spiritually speaking, in this life as we suffer, it's like, I need something to look forward to. And that's Jesus. I get to be with him. I, I get this city with foundations that we've read about in this chapter. All of these blessings, I have something to focus on that I want to cross that finish line. I want to finish this race uh, for that reason. So he says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Don't get distracted. Uh, don't lose focus. And then here's tip number three. View suffering as something that can benefit you. Look at Hebrews chapter 12 and, and keep reading in verse 3. For consider, I forgot to underline it, but for consider him who has endured, there's the word again, such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. See, he, he was willing to keep going, so consider him, think about him. We don't want you to give up. We don't want you to grow weary and lose heart because of your suffering. So think of him. And he says, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood and you're striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as, as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, so that we may share his holiness all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Just notice what the general message is there. Um, look, you're suffering, and you have suffered, and you will suffer. But realize that this suffering can be beneficial to you. So don't grow weary, and don't lose heart. Um, but this can be beneficial for you. Suffering is formative, if we allow it to be. Maybe we might say suffering is formative, but it's formative in two different ways depending on how we respond to it. Uh, it, it can help us. A, a father, Fathers and mothers, you discipline your son because you love them, because you know it will benefit them. In the same way, suffering is beneficial to you and I. Uh, so don't give up. Our typical view of suffering as humans is it's bad. It's all bad. Every part of it's bad. The pain, the problem, the persecution in their case, it is negative. So we say, God, please get rid of it and get rid of it as fast as possible. Just remove it. Yet suffering is good in one way that it grows you and I. When you, for the, the people who like to work out, those of you who like to lift weights and all of that, how does your muscle grow? What do you have to do to cause your muscle to grow? You have to tear it. You ever thought about that? You have to completely rip your muscle essentially, to get it to grow. Meaning you have to cause it discomfort and pain in a way. Your muscle has to suffer in order for it to grow and become stronger. That is the same truth when it comes to us spiritually in our faith. If we want our faith to really grow, it has to get a little uncomfortable. We can grow in a lot of ways, but I think the big ways we grow is really through the times of, of suffering. 
Suffering can help shape our faith. In, in James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, James said, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter trials of various kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or endurance. That's what James would say. That this suffering, it's a test of your faith. But hey, count it all joy because it produces something good in you. It's beneficial if you let it be. He says, count it all joy, meaning that word literally means lead your mind to think a certain way. I got a health problem. I got a family thing, a financial deal. Uh, I got a sin I'm, I'm being tempted about over and over and over again, and I'm being tested or I'm suffering. He says, you need to, you need to almost like rewire your brain that you look at that situation and say, this will be good for me and that it will grow me. That doesn't mean I need to smile 24-7. That doesn't need to be like, oh, nothing is wrong with my life. It means you need to look at your situation and you need to say, this is beneficial in some way. Suffering is, can be good for us because without suffering, you and I never mature to who we're meant to be. Our faith never becomes what it's meant to be. But we have to see it that way. Uh, any thoughts or comments or questions on that before we keep going? Okay. Um, but he says suffering is beneficial, and he's trying to get that message across to them in a way. Just in the same way that discipline for your children is beneficial, so is, so is suffering. I'm sure you've looked at a kid and been like, you should have been disciplined more when you were younger. You ever thought, thought that? If someone would have bopped you on the head, I'm just kidding. Anyone watching this recording, I'm not saying you should bop your kid on the head. Okay, I'm good. I'm not going to jail. Um, but he says, you should have been disciplined more. Same, same thing here. Like if A little suffering can help us if we're willing to see it that way. Okay, then, and here's one more. Don't give up your faith while suffering for sin. Uh, if you look at verse 16 of chapter 12, we actually mentioned this verse when we did uh, our lesson on Jacob. But he would say there, this Hebrew writer, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. That no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. And by it, many become defiled. Um, That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit that blessing, he was rejected. For he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. We talked about Esau in our Jacob lesson a bit. But this idea that Esau traded his birthright. For a bowl of red beans and rice. I don't know what the soup was. But this thing that was so valuable and meaningful and worthwhile to him, he gave it up for something that really wasn't worth it. That's the message for you and I when it comes to our faith. That when we are suffering and in need of endurance, when we need to keep walking with God despite what's going on around us, don't trade it for something that's not worth it. Don't give it up for sin. Um, when we're suffering, we, we like to look for something to soothe us, don't we? Something to kind of numb the pain, to get our mind off it, uh, something to just fall back on. You know, it's easy for us when we suffer. That's when people, we might turn to a bottle or a substance, you know, an exciting affair or something with a relationship. Uh, he's saying, listen, don't trade your faith for sin. Don't turn to something else in those times. Um, don't. That's a, that's a terrible trade to make. So don't do that, is, is what he's saying. Uh, so he says, so brothers and sisters, endure. Uh, don't trade. Don't give it up for sin. It's easy to do when you're down and you're dealing with problems. He says, but remember, this is worth it. That's not really going to help you. 
And you're not going to like it in the long run like Esau did. But if you will keep your faith, despite how it feels in the moment, it'll be worth it all uh, eventually when those promises are fulfilled. So this message is endure throughout this book, but really in these three chapters, time and time again, it's sprinkled in endure. Brothers and sisters, endure. We have something worth enduring for. Uh, We have Jesus. We have a city with foundations. Hold on for him in that day. And remember, God keeps his promises. That's been a part of this letter. God keeps his promises. Um, Even if we think it's slower than we'd like it to be, God has never failed to keep his side of the bargain. A resurrection, eternal life. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, He keeps his promises. The same way he's kept it with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's going to keep that with you and me if we live by faith. So, he encourages you and I, live by faith, and one day we will be cheering for those uh, who come after us in the same way these people are cheering for us. Our lives can testify to others the same way theirs have uh, to us. So live by faith. That's his message. And those are some tips about endurance that we might take. Um, We have 10 minutes left. Does anyone have a comment or question before we go to the next thing? Okay, so here's what I want to do at the end. Because that is it from all the things I have really I wanted to share about endurance. Um, but we need endurance. All these people suffered and had it. We need it too. I just would like to get your thoughts on the class. Um, I guess one would be, what is your biggest... I'll ask two questions and you can answer whichever one you'd like, if you're willing to. If not, you can just look at me and I'll awkwardly look back at you. Uh, but one is, what is your biggest takeaway about faith like what have you learned or taken away when it comes to faith from our three months of studying this or the other question you can ask or i would ask you that you can answer is um what person that we have studied has stood out to you and why i would just love to hear what you think um, about that so what person has stood out to you the most or maybe you learned the most about or you just you love that person's story or what have you learned about faith or taken away from faith from this chapter So I'll give you a second or whenever you think about if you want to raise your hand. We'll just go from there. To stay faithful? Yeah, stuff happens. That's kind of the the message tonight, isn't it? Stuff happens, but stay with it. Uh, Don't give up. Yeah. It's. This sounds kind of weird coming out what I'm about to say, but sometimes we, it's a good reminder of what we put our faith into, because sometimes how do we define our faith, right? If we come to church on Sunday nights, or is it our faith is really in, in Jesus? Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I think, for my walk in faith, sometimes I get, I I get frustrated <laughs> when I when I put my faith in man and in human things and things that we do sometimes instead of you no know, if if I would just put my faith and trust in Jesus and really understand the love of Jesus the things of this world and the the relational conflicts that we may have in the church wouldn't matter as much Does that make sense yeah it's i think what you're saying is sometimes we put faith in our church not Jesus it's, Does that make sense? it's like a reminder of these people put their faith in a person more than a thought 
or some, yeah, but it was in the person. Um, Noah built because he had faith in God, the person, um, and that's why he did what he did. And then you kind of go down that list, but it's it is it's a person, um, not just a set of ideals. And that doesn't change how we respond to those. But I think that's a great point. Like that's it's about who they put their faith in, and not just what. It's a who, and so yeah. And I think, don't you think it's like maybe the the way it's set up sometimes or just the, the re- repetition of it that maybe you can lose track of that easily if you're not careful. But it goes back to the person. Um, yeah, that's that's a good thought. All right, anyone else? Yeah. So I don't you know like everybody has, like a lot of the Bibles are broken in like, like sections. And, and mine in the, the one that I'm looking at, has a, it says it has a section and it says mountain of fear and mountain of joy. And so, I don't know, um, that, kind of, that kind of wraps up kind of how faith is. Um, uh, there's a, in, in faith, there is a lot of fear, but there is a lot of joy in faith. So, um, there, you, have, you have, there are a lot of things that really scare you, but you still have to keep your faith. Yeah. Um, you're still going to have, your, your faith has to stay strong. No matter what it is that scares you in life, um, you're still going to have to stay as you know, Jesus is your one strong thing that you're always, it's always going to be faithful for you. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there, all these I mean, people. That's, it's always going to be your, it's always going to be your mountain. It's always going to be your mountain joy. I mean, yeah, all these people, they, they did deal with stuff, but they could still live by faith through it. They had things that might have scared them at first or all these things, but they could continue on through faith. Yeah, yeah, Bob. I can't really narrow it down to one. There's, there's several of these that I am so grateful for to remind me that even a public idiot like me can. I didn't say that. You said that. I, I understand. Yeah. Actually, that's somebody else said. <laughs> okay, but uh, can can still have faith. You know, even after the trip and fall and doubt, you know, I'm thinking about Gideon, mm-hmm. you know, again and again, you know, and, and, and David, you know, after he sins, you know, you know, you've got, you know, uh, what's, what's it, Samuel? I can't remember what Samson? No, no, not no, the prophet. Uh, what was the Samuel? Was, uh, was the one after sin. Anyway, the prophet came to David and said, you know, the child will die. Oh, but David. God has forgiven your sins. You know, and, and, and uh, Nathan, uh, but it's, it's you know for me it's it's the comfort to, to realize that I don't have to get this perfectly because I'm not one. Yeah, yeah. There's been some very interesting people who've studied that that testify to that. I mean. You read Enoch and you're like, okay, maybe I got to get this thing perfect. And then you go, okay, never mind. As you keep reading, um, Samson, remember Samson's lesson? Where'd you get it right, bud? That's sometimes the question we were asking more than the other. Um, or you had Rahab. That's probably the one that stood out to me the most. I never realized how perfectly Rahab fit faith as defined in that chapter. Yeah. Christian or Muslim or Hindu, 
they all exist with faith. And generally, faith is brought to you by the earliest teaching of your children. Whether you believe or not in somebody else's faith is uh, brought to you by the earliest teaching. Might you have thought to? Did you have your hand up? The thing about this study that its main focus was on doers. Yeah. You know, they're, obviously they're not the only people in the Bible. There's a lot of people, but we focused on doers. And doers, you know, small people, ordinary people, weak people who did great things. And there's a great lesson in that. But as we discussed faith in the last couple of months, the, the thing that has come back to me uh, has has been that sometimes uh, the most difficult expression of faith is not doing is you know be still and know that I'm God you know sometimes that's the most difficult thing to do to demonstrate your faith not to take action not to you know charge ahead not to yeah. whatever I'm sure you understand what I'm saying no I, yeah, just, it's really just to good. be still and, and demonstrate your absolute trust in God that he can handle things even if you're not getting, you know, you know, getting her done, you know, and yeah. saying, uh, get, making things happen. No, you're, you're right, though, because we have focus. It is, we talked about the verb, and it's active, and it does something, but yet there is this truth we've seen here, too, of sometimes faith is not doing and waiting. I mean, Sarah, remember like Abraham and Sarah, we talked about you're going to have a child, and they kind of tried to make that happen on their own right. instead of just waiting, and there's a message for us in that too. Of, you know, sometimes faith is living righteously and waiting, and that's that's it. And yeah, that's a powerful one too. Patience with endurance. Yeah, that's a big part of it. That's the I think that's the hard part of endurance is I can endure, but for how long do I have to endure? Like God, if you just let me know when this is going to end, I'll be okay. Just let me know. Um, but that's yeah, that's a big part of it. Anyone else? Okay. Um, you don't have to say something just because I'm looking at you funny. Uh, I hope you've got some out of this class, though. Um, I know it's been fun for me to study, and I pray that you've took away something from it, and it's benefited you in some way. Um, you know, you, there's five people we didn't study. If, if you have any free time on your own, maybe go look at them and see how they fit what we've already learned and maybe something new they might bring to the table. But please remember, you can be a hero of faith. You can be in the hall of faith. You don't have to go do something extraordinary. God is just asking you to trust in him in whatever situation you come across in life. You can be mentioned with these people. You can spend eternity with them. You can be considered in this group as well. Um, and so this is not a message of people you can't be like. These are people that you absolutely can. And I hope you take that away. I appreciate all the comments throughout the whole quarter. It's been a fun class. I appreciate your participation. Next week, uh, I'll be teaching, and we'll start a... I'm going to do something through December. I think I'm going to talk about... I don't have a pretty title for this yet. I was telling how this, but I think we're going to look at maybe some of the people involved in the story of Jesus' birth that aren't Jesus. You know, in this time of year, I know a lot of people are thinking about the birth of Jesus 
And I just thought it might be interesting to go and look at Joseph and to go look at Mary and to go look at the wise men and go look at some of those other people because I think there's some cool stories there. So we'll do that through December um, just as something interesting to do while we fill the time until the new, new quarter in January. So we are done. You are dismissed. I appreciate you.